This is Grace Talks, a production of Simpson United Methodist Church in Bangor, Michigan. Today's scripture reading is taken from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your fitted and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, God our Lord our Savior. Amen. So, in my first sermon with you, I offered a few of my favorite passages and a few of my favorite verses. One of them was a verse that came from what we read today. Ephesians 6.12, our struggle is not against enemies of flesh and blood. Thanks to the lectionary, I'm able to find something, in a, something of a strange joy to be able to zoom in on this passage today and talk about why it's so important to me. To maybe give you a better understanding of why I hold that it has the power to transform the way we see and understand both the world and our place in it to give a better understanding of why I find it so convicting. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. As the passage goes on to say, our, pa our battle is against rulers and against authorities, against spiritual forces of darkness in our world. I've spoken already a few times, and I've already introduced this biblical concept of the authorities or the powers and principalities, but here we are, stepping once again into the epistles or the New Testament letters, and once again we find ourselves brushing up against them. The powers, so to speak, are spiritual forces which are both behind and which are the things we contend with that are more than human. They have, in a sense, taken on a life of their own. What I mean by this 
is that nations, institutions, ideologies, these things have a spiritual weight to them. They are more than the people who spearhead or represent them. They are forces that retain power even if those who live under them are gone. If tomorrow Jeff Bezos and the whole leading power of Amazon jumped into a spaceship and flew to Mars to set up a colony, Amazon would still exist. It would still retain and exert power over us. You can't meet Amazon. You can't meet Walmart. You can't meet McDonald's, nor can you meet America. You can't meet debt or poverty. These things are bigger than people. These things are spiritual in nature. Consider the spiritual power that is a nation. A nation, when you get right down to it, is a rather arbitrary thing. Lines drawn in the sand, designating who belongs to who and what belongs to who. Through the lottery of birth, we've come into this world in the small chunk of land called the United States, and so through the lottery of birth, we have been made Americans rather than people of another country. When you cut through it, when you cut through all there is, there is no functional, there is no physical, there is no flesh and blood difference between you and I or a member of the Taliban. We are born in a specific place, we are born in a specific time, and perhaps more than almost any other factor, this determines who we are. And so what does it mean to say that our battle is not against other people, not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and spiritual forces of evil? If we try to fight a spiritual battle with physical weapons, we're going to lose. If we try to make people the enemy that we contend with, then we will lose every time. When we look at Afghanistan today, we might see, we might remember that there never really was a win strategy. Because in truth, we weren't fighting against the people, we were fighting against a set of ideas. We were fighting against ideologies, and we were using fleshy weapons to do it. We were attacking people, but we weren't attacking ideologies, and today we're almost worse off than we were before because now we have another 20 years of animosity pointed back towards us. We struggle not against flesh and blood. We can't use fleshy weapons, and that's such a good term, and I'm going to be using it quite a few times because it's kind of gross, and I like it. We can't use fleshy weapons against spiritual foes. In 2 Corinthians, Paul wrote that we live as human beings, but we do not wage war according to human standards, for the weapons of our warfare are not merely human, but they have the divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every proud obstacle raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. 
We are not meant to battle as the world would have us do battle. We are not to fight with fleshy weapons. We are not to fight with swords or munitions. We fight against the spiritual using the spiritual. You can't win a chess game by eating the pieces. You can't win a spiritual battle with weapons of flesh and blood. If we try to do battle against people, we're going to lose. But if we face the spiritual with the spiritual instead of facing the spiritual with the fleshy, then and only then can we hope to see victory. We can't oppose or tear down strongholds that Paul talks about in that 2 Corinthians passage unless we first recognize that we are in fact battling strongholds, not people. A few years ago, I visited Mount Vernon in, or near Washington, D.C., the home of George Washington. So has anyone ever been there? So you'll have an idea of what I'm talking about. One of the things that they had on display and they had for sale in the gift shop was a reproduction of the key to the Bastille. Now, the Bastille was a French fortress and prison and arms holding space, and its fall was a significant moment in the French Revolution, and when it fell, Marquis de Lafayette sent the key, this is the reproduction, <laughs> the key to Washington as a symbol of liberty and freedom from authoritarianism. When I got on the plane to go home, I had the key in my carry-on. And this, of course, was flagged by the TSA, and so I was pulled to the side where I got to watch two men dig through my luggage only to pull out the key to the Bastille. And the irony was not lost on the TSA agent as he held it and stared at it as he spoke, as he talked to his coworker and said, the key to the Bastille, the symbol of freedom and liberty. The Bastille was a stronghold of France for much of its history, and its fall played a significant victory in the minds of the French people because even as they battled using fleshy weapons, I'm telling you I love it, there were those who recognized that the real battle was spiritual. Democracy versus monarchy, equity and equality versus tradition and hierarchy. So what then are the tools, what then is the armor of our spiritual battle? Well, I finally get to stop sweating so much. <laughs> Thank you. 
If you see me wear that, I'm probably wearing something dramatic underneath. <laughs> it's too hot otherwise. <laughs> if we've ever spent time at a vacation Bible school, then we've probably heard about the armor of God. I'm a geek, and so I like to dress up and make things a little memorable for everybody. <laughs> the armor of God is one of those common things that we teach our children, but it's helpful that we brush up on it as well. I should note that often we hear many sermons preached where the focus is on the armor, on what each piece represents, but instead I want to focus on the substance. I want to focus on the spiritual stuff that the armor is made from. Our armor begins with truth. Reality as opposed to illusion, distraction, or falsehood. We must be always ready to condition ourselves to see things as they are and not as we are told they are. We must be discerning enough to see past lies and half-truths and misdirections, to see conspiracy theories for what they are. We, live, we must live in a way that allows us to see other people as our siblings in Christ. We must always be able to speak and cling to truth. Righteousness. Righteousness is another word for justice. And by justice, I don't mean law and order. I mean a restructuring of the world in a way that is good and right and proper a way that allows life to flourish and thrive, a world where a single mother doesn't have to fight and scrounge to feed her children, but rather she sees her children fed. We have been justified by God, and this justice, this righteousness, guards our hearts and inspires us to work against the passions of lesser gods, which would capture those hearts and turn them to selfish desires. We have been called by God to pursue justice. Peace. In the Christian tradition, like the Jewish tradition from which it sprang, peace has more in common with shalom. Shalom meaning wholeness. As in all things being brought back together and reconciled with one another and with God brought back into their proper ordering for each thing that seems broken in our world, God offers wholeness. God offers peace. Faith. Another way to think about faith might be to think about the word trust. Take up the shield of trust often then. Even as the enemy flings flaming arrows into your life to tear you down and to destroy all the good things, cling to faith, cling to trust, find community and find people you can trust and have faith in and with. Salvation. 
Salvation should always prompt in our minds the image of rescue and healing. We are saved. We are being saved. We must guard our minds with that knowledge of salvation. Rest in the knowledge and the assurance that you are protected and that you have been healed, that you are being healed. Rest in the knowledge that salvation has already come and that we are already victorious and that the powers will not and cannot stand. Finally, spirit. The word of God, the only clear weapon in the armor. When we fight, we fight with God's word, God's messages, not our own. And when the text here says the word of God, it doesn't mean the Bible. It means the very presence of Christ among us, Christ who is the word of God. This is why our fight can never be against other humans. For Christ, the word does not speak against humans. Christ speaks against the powers. Christ speaks against the systems and the spiritual forces of evil which hold us back from loving one another. Greed and lust and the strive for power and pride and the, insati the insatiable desire for more. And again, this is what Christ defeats. Christ who is with us in our every step. Christ who gives us the words to speak and the prompts to imagine a better world for everyone. With this armor equipped, we have the ability to live as those who expect to see God's kingdom come and will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have been equipped, we have been equipped to tear down the strongholds of the evil forces in this world, equipped to tear down the powers of darkness, powers of war, powers of hate, powers of greed, powers of violence and racism and sexism, powers of xenophobia and hunger and human trafficking, powers that cause us to hate. These are powers that are spiritual in nature, but both spiritual and physical in their effects. And so we have been equipped. We wear this spiritual armor, and we are prepared to tear down the strongholds of the evil forces in this world and see goodness and love prevail. We have been equipped in the armor of God and assured that God has already won, that we have already prevailed. The thing I find most important about the passage that I listed today as one of my favorites is that we are primed in every way to consider people our enemy. The world wants us to consider some people our friends and some people our enemies, to divide people into good people and bad people. And when we look at it, every conflict and every war that has, does, or ever will exist relies on this sort of propaganda. 
labeling the enemy as some sort of inhuman monstrosity that must be defeated at all costs, but what if what if the message of Christ is that all people are good? Beholden to powers greater than themselves. We are all of us born under the rule of these powers. We are all of us born under the rule of authorities. And we are all of us shaped by the will of things that are greater than ourselves. The only reason we're united as we are is because of where we were born, because of which powers we are held by. But in Christ, there's one power alone. There's one power alone that unites us, that draws us back together from all the different corners of the world and draws us into one people. While Christ has won the victory, we still contend with these powers. We still live in a world where we're instructed to give them more than their due. If we begin to work to see others as not inherently bad, but inherently good, then we might find that our entire worldview begins to shift and change and be transformed and conformed into how Christ would have us see the world. Because suddenly we might remember something that we've known for a long time but have forgotten, that we are not in conflict with people. Not really. We're in conflict with something more. We are in conflict with spiritual forces. Something that can only be resisted by coming together and wearing this armor of God. And it is that sense of community that is perhaps most important of all, that, that we, are, we are reminded that we cannot do this alone. And we're never meant to. We are more than individuals. We are united in one another. We are united with one another, and we share one another. We share the wins, and we share the losses. And so together, might we don this armor of God? Might we live in truth as a people who are passionate about pursuing justice and the wholeness of creation? May we find faith and salvation in God and in one another, and may we always remember that we are contending not against flesh, but against the spiritual. May we all seek to tear down the bastilles of the world and remember that Christ has already won the victory. Christ has already won, and in that victory, we too are victorious. We too have won, and the gates of hell will not stand against us. Amen.